Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Three. What role are believers going to play in the last days? Are we going to cringe in fear or take our place on the wall? Find out answers tonight on the Midnight Ride. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up, rise up, rise up. Good evening, everybody, and welcome once again to the Midnight Ride. My great honor to welcome each and every one of you into the Puritan Barn, into the Now You See TV studios for the Midnight Ride with myself and John Pounders. Tonight, the Son of Man rising out of the sea. We're going to be comparing book text from the apocryphal book or the apocryphal book of Second Estrus with the book of Revelation, and we're going to see that. There's more going on than just the beast coming out of the sea. We're going to be talking about the Son of Man rising tonight. So get ready, and all we can say is, let's ride, because it all starts right now, because we're now live, live, live. I was anticipating, I kept thinking, David's going to say it now, and I almost said it prematurely, but... David, are you sure you're going to be able to do this show tonight without your hat? I don't know. You know, <laughs> we'll see. You know, I, you know, I am hatless, and I just I don't know what to say. I just forgot to grab a hat, so we'll see. I bet people did not know you had such a thick head of hair. Yeah, <laughs> but we'll just do her hatless one time tonight. Yeah, so I want to say this before we get started. Thank you guys for showing up. Let us know where you guys are from. Let us know how you're doing in the chat and on the comments. We're so grateful to have you guys on here and humbled to be able to do this. And um, so tonight, be sure to stay tuned because this is going to rock your socks off. This is going to be an interesting one. Um, the times we're facing, there's a lot of deception going on. And I, I don't know if this is for sure or not, but in my mind, there's going to be a lot of people fighting against God if they're not careful. So tonight, hopefully this will clear up any uh, mistakes that we all have in the scripture or just in, in the end times in general. So stay tuned. Mainstream companies put dangerous chemicals in their products that contribute to disease and disability. This is why it's so important that we take care in the products that we consume. 
The skin is the largest organ in your body and it is the covering to your temple. Our sponsor tonight is Sugar and Spice Soap Company. They create all natural and biblically clean soaps and beauty products. They even have a soap for Midnight Ride listeners. Use coupon code NYSTV to receive 10% off all your purchases. Link in the description. If this is true, then our country is in a lot of trouble. We would have these trips, these special trips. But he said, my, my daddy takes the bodies to the grocery store and he grinds them up and puts it in the hamburger. And nobody ever knows it. How can kids, six, eight, ten years old, be describing rituals that come from a book like the, like the Book of the Dead? It's hard to get your mind around people being capable of this kind of evil. All right, thank you guys. We are back. And if you're interested in that documentary or anything like it, we also have the Book of Enoch video commentary that myself and David Carrico are doing on the website. Uh, pretty awesome stuff. Also, I want to give a shout-out to Trutherfit. We have these mugs right there available on trutherfit.com. And you can get them half off right now. These juicy, delicious mugs. And I don't know if you can tell, but th that those two guys right here, those guys should look familiar to you. But you guys can get these 50% off for hashtag code hashtag Torahead. And the code's down in the description if you forget that. Uh, some of you may not uh, know what that means. but You know you want to be a Torahead. You, you know you want to be one. So go check those out. Uh, David, what do you guys got going on over at FOJC coming up? Tomorrow night. On Sunday Night Live on our Underground Church YouTube channel at 7 p.m., we're going to do a broadcast called The Ancient Spirits of Tartaria. And I'm so looking forward to that. It's going to rock. That's awesome, man. Tartar, that, I saw that on the thumbnail you guys had Putin and um, Tucker Carlson. And I saw that interview. That was an interesting interview. So I'm interested to see where you guys go with it. Yeah. 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 It's going to go over the cliff with the pedal to the floor. Yes, it will. All right, well, with that, all that being said, if there's nothing else, let's get started. Let's get ready to ride. You guys plop up on your motorcycles or on your Lazy Boy or wherever you're at right now and uh, grab yourself a cup of coffee and let's get rolling. All right, let's ride. Okay, uh, we're going to begin and we're going to basically being taken the apocryphal book of Second Estrus, which was in King James Apocrypha. It is not in the canon, but John and I both hold this book to be highly profitable, and uh, I like it. You know, I don't see a bit of problem with it. Like it a lot, and we, you can make your determination after we bring forth uh, that which we do this evening. And we're going to be taking prophecies in this book. It was in the original uh, King James and we're going to be comparing this with the book of Revelation. And we're going to see some things that are so confirming that it not only is going to reveal a lot of truth to us, but it's going to show us a lot of things about the high level of inspiration that this text of Second Estrus has. So let's begin in Second Estrus chapter 13. And it came to pass, after seven days I dreamed a dream by night. 
And lo, there arose a wind from the sea, that it moved all the waves thereof. And I beheld, and lo, that man waxed strong with the thousands of heaven. And when he turned his countenance to look, all the things trembled that were seen under him. And whensoever the voice went out of his mouth, all they burned that heard his voice, like as the earth faileth when it feeleth the fire. And after this I beheld, and lo, there was gathered together a multitude of men out of number from the four winds of the heaven to subdue the man that came out of the sea. Now, as we go on in our text in chapter 13, we're going to see that this is the Son of Man. This is Jesus rising out of the sea, and there's a time element here. It's at the time of the blowing of the four winds. And when the four winds are blowing, the Son of Man is going to rise out of the sea. And when the Son of Man rises out of the sea at the time of the four winds blowing, there's going to be a multitude of people try to subdue him. And they're going to come against the Son of Man that rises out of the sea. Now, let's get, uh, this is a time stamp. This is a prophetic time stamp, this time of the blowing of the four winds. And we're going to look in Daniel chapter 7, and we're going to pinpoint several other events that happened at this time. And we're going to understand the significance of the Son of Man rising out of the sea. In Daniel 7, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse from one another. So, in Second Estrus, we see the four winds blowing. We see the Son of Man rising. Here in Daniel, these are the beast kingdoms. And it's the blowing of the, the wind of these four winds that releases these beast kingdoms. And in Daniel 7, in the 8th verse, it says that a little horn will come forth from this fourth beast that rises out of the sea in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel 8, 5, David. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm going to okay. pull this in. Sorry. I'm, off the oh, I'm sorry. I'm off the plantation <laughs> here, but I'm just going to, I'm just, I want to read this text because in Daniel 7 and verse 8, it says, I considered the horns and behold, there came up among them a little horn. So in Daniel chapter 7, the four winds blow, up come four beasts, and on the fourth beast is a little horn. Now let's go to Daniel chapter 8 and verse 5. And as I was considering, behold, an he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth. You see, Daniel 7, the beast rose out of the sea. Here we see this he-goat come across the earth and touch not the ground. And the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. So, and, and reading on here in Daniel chapter 8 and verse 8 and 9, and the he-goat waxed very great, and when he was strong, the great horn was broken, and for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. And, what, and see, there's our four winds of heaven again. And out of one of them came forth a little horn, which waxed exceeding great, 
toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. Now, the best way to understand Bible prophecy is to stop listening to teachers that are teaching Bible prophecy and read your Bible and pray. And obvious patterns of interpretation will become so plain to you. And the patterns that become so plain to you, you won't hear any of the Bible prophecy teachers teaching any of it. Now, this is almost too easy. Now, Daniel chapter 7, the four winds blow, four beasts come out of the sea, little horn. Daniel chapter 8, the four winds blow, a beast comes across the earth, another little horn comes up. Now, let's just go to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 13 and verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. We hear this every week on the Midnight Ride uh, theme song. Having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his head the name of blasphemy. And this beast rises out of the sea, and in Revelation 13 and 4, we see that this is a very powerful political and military beast. In Revelation 13 and 4, and they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast who is able to make war with him? So beast number one in Revelation comes out of the sea, and we have beast number two. Revelation 13, 11 and 12. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb and spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him. And he causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the beast whose deadly wound was healed. And in the book of Revelation, book beast number one out of the sea, he's a powerful political military leader. Beast number two, he's a religious leader, and he causes all the world to worship the first beast. So it's really very easy. There's a very clear pattern. Daniel 7, little horn out of the sea. Revelation 13 and 1, beast out of the sea. Daniel chapter 8, little horn out of the earth. Revelation 13, 11, beast out of the earth. Daniel 7 prophesies about the first beast. Daniel 8, the second it's a very, very clear pattern that you don't need uh, a lesson in theology to get. It's a clear pattern laid down here in the Word of God. Now, let's go back to 2nd Estrus, chapter 13, and we're going to read verse 31 and verse 32. And one shall undertake to fight against another, one city against another, one place against another, one people against another, one realm against another. And the time shall be when these things shall come to pass, and the sign shall happen which I shewed thee before, and then shall my son be declared whom thou sawest as a man ascending. Now this is really too good. Here's the picture we've got. When these four winds blow, this is going to be huge. I think they're going to be blowing very soon. And the, the, the little horn and the, the uh, out of the sea and out of the earth is going to rise. But also, there's something else going to rise. It's the Son of Man. And according to Second Estrus, at the same time, when these beasts are coming on 
to the the world stage and a man i think we're there that's my opinion i think we're there that the son of man is going to rise and it says my son shall be declared Amen. Amen. That's why we're here tonight. We're here to declare the Son of God. It is, it, it is going to be something very apparent as we go through the text that the Israel of God is not to just lay down and cringe in fear and, uh, and count their pinto beans, but we're to be ready to stand on the wall and to take up and proclaim the Son of God and preach the gospel. The darker things get, the more people are going to wake up to the gospel of Jesus Christ. According to this book, which I love, the Son of Man will be declared at this time when the four winds blow. Amen. Now, is there anything in Scripture that would relate to that? You know, and a lot of people, uh, and I'm one of them, I love to read the prophecies of the judgments that are coming in Matthew 24 and Revelation, but we don't want to forget this prophecy here. Matthew 24 and verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. I don't believe that's being fulfilled over TBN and Daystar. Uh, I saw a clip the other day of Joel Osteen and Oprah Winfrey, and Oprah said, Joel, uh, do you believe homosexuals will go to heaven? If Joel said, well, I sure do, sure do, you know. <laughs> and I don't think the gospel of the kingdom is being heard very much. But it's, let me tell you what, it's coming back. Not gospel light, but real gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. Turn to Jesus. Forsake your sin and idolatry. It's written in the book. Just like the book of Second Esther says, when these four winds are going to blow, my son will be declared. This is what Jesus himself prophesied, that this gospel, and by this gospel he meant the one that he preached. Mark 1.15, repent and believe the gospel. Uh, Matthew 4.17, after that Jesus began to preach, repent because of the kingdom of God is at hand. The real gospel, not gospel light, not gospel... Um, easy believism, but the real gospel that changes people's lives and hearts. It's written in the book, and I believe this so strong. And do we believe our Bibles tonight? You know, the Son of Man is going to be declared. The true message is going to go forth. We are a part of that. I am so thankful right here at Now You See TV, we're going to have a little part in this. And each and every one of you, we're going to have a little part of this. Most of the people today, they're ready to get carried up in some uh, fairy tale rapture of John Darby's Sky Castle. But the Israel of God, we're going to be ready to stand on the wall and preach the gospel. because, And we're going to have a little help. Revelation 14 and 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of having, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and every nation and kindred and tongue and people. There are going to be angels preaching the gospel. And I want to be a part of that. And I know you want to be a part of that. So as we read the prophecies of the two beasts rising out of the sea, it behooves us to remember this prophecy of the Son of Man rising out of the sea and of all the people when he starts to rise, they're going to turn on him. But we're going to see that that Son of Man 
is going to be victorious. Now, in Daniel 9, verse 27, and he shall confirm the covenant. Now, right here, the controversy begins. Um, I, I'm going to uh, the position that I take is that he is the Messiah. And there are several scripture references that call this the Holy Covenant. Now, what dispensationalists believe, they believe that this is the Antichrist. Whoops, <laughs> you know, it's Jesus Christ, it's not the Antichrist. But it says, and he, Jesus, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate even unto the consummation, and that be determined upon the desolate. I want to read from a book. This is one of my oldest commentaries. Uh, Joseph Benson. That looks like my very set. John, did you take a picture of my books? <laughs> I might have. I don't know. You know, this looks like the very same set I got right here. But uh, Joseph Benson, I'll read his interpretation, which is basically... It's what the dispensation, well, this is the old school interpretation. But Mr. Benson wrote, The covenant to be confirmed by the Messiah is not a civil, but a religious compact as styled by Daniel himself, the holy covenant. Daniel eleven twenty eight thirty and 32. I don't think the Antichrist is going to be making a holy covenant, do you? Mm goes on to say the first half of the week and almost ever there's universal agreement that that week is a seven-year period. The, I'll not belabor you going into the Hebrew of that. But it says, Mr. Benson wrote, the first half of the week of Daniel is from the beginning of Christ's first preaching, Mark 1, 15, repent ye and believe the gospel, to his death. So we have three and a half of the seven years and basically what this text is saying, that in the middle of that seven-year period, Jesus is going to die on the cross. Mm -hmm. And we have three and a half years. And by the way, try to look up in your concordance, seven-year tribulation. You won't find it because it's not in there. You won't find rapture. You won't find seven-year tribulation. And you, they're just a lot of the stuff they teach. It's just not in there. And the seven-year tribulation is a big fraud. It really is. Now, we've got three and a half years from the time Jesus was baptized until he died. Where are the other three and a half years of the seven? We're going to see in the book of Revelation that the reign of the beast is 1,260 days. Divide that by 30, you got three and a half years. In another place, we're going to read where it's 42 months, you see. There's going to be a confirming of the covenant when Jesus was here upon earth, and there's a confirming of the covenant coming, you see. Let, I'll just read on a little here from uh, Mr. Benson. And he says, When Christ in the midst of the week offered his body, that great sacrifice for the expiation of sin to reconcile sinners to God, by that most holy and acceptable victim, he completely abolished all the typical sacrifices of the law. When Jesus died upon the cross, those sacrifices and oblations in that temple were null and void. For 36 years, they continued to sacrifice in the temple till the Lord weighed in and put it into that for good. And you see that word overspreading, 
It's like putting mayonnaise, Miracle Whip, I'll just say Miracle Whip on your turkey bologna. You know, and you put a layer on, and you put another layer on, then you get too much on, you got to take a little off. You overspread it. And every sacrifice for sin that was offered in the temple was an abomination after Christ died upon the cross. And when it says in the text clearly in Daniel that, it will be desolate. You know, that temple went down for good in A.D. 70. And it says here, it will be desolate to the consummation. Well, my 1828 Webster says that word consummation means the end or completion of the present system of things, the end of the world. So I'm not looking for that uh, the Mosque of Omar to come down and some temple to be built there. The Mosque of Omar is there as a judgment of God upon them for, for, for their apostasy and rejecting Christ. Interestingly, too, I was just, while you were talking, too, I was reading the verse before where it says, and he, and it clearly says we're talking about the Messiah, Messiah here and his people. And what's interesting to me, it talks about the, They'll destroy the city and the sanctuary. And this is in verse 26. It says, and I'm just going to read it if that's okay. It says, And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the prince that shall come destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end, therefore, shall be with a flood, and to the end of the war desolations are determined. I, I just got done reading a book, and it has a bunch of different stuff in it, but it's about 1749, which is interesting. I don't know. If you guys know this, but you, we talked about different resets throughout time. In 1749, apparently there was these floods, mud floods all over the place, earthquakes everywhere that went on for days. And even there was in this book, it says that even the children in the womb were speaking in their womb, and these stars were falling from heaven. It's really weird. I saw that this is in 1749. So there's been a lot of resets that people don't know about. But what do you think about that when it says there was a flood? It'll destroy it with a flood. There shall be a with a flood, and into the end of the war, desolations are determined in verse 26. Wow. And obviously, you know, that word flood, you know, there, man, I, I don't know what to make of that. You know, it's obviously a metaphor, and we know yeah. that the temple was destroyed by the Romans, but could there be a little more there? Yeah, I don't know. Could there be a little more there? That there were, that there we had a little reset there in AD 70. You know, that's something to think about, isn't it? Yeah. It's interesting. I never noticed the flood word in there. I don't know why. I just never noticed it. But maybe, maybe I've honestly never noticed that it said the Messiah there. Yeah. Because in throughout my whole life, even going to Bible college, I was taught that this was the Antichrist coming. He's yeah. going to make a covenant with everybody, and then he's going to smash that covenant and just kill yeah. everybody. And that's that's what I was taught in Bible college. I mean, that's what I was taught in school. So reading it, though, with plain English, you see right there it says the Messiah, and he, and it goes yeah. on to say, and yeah. he is continually talking about him. Very interesting. Yeah. Very cool. And you see here, this is where they get their seven-year tribulation, by making the person that makes the covenant from Jesus Christ to the Antichrist. Well, yeah. there's a lot of problems there. If you just read the text, it's the Messiah. If you just read it, the plain obvious meaning. And we've got multiple texts in Daniel that calls it the Holy Covenant. Now, how's the Antichrist going to make a Holy Covenant? Ain't going to happen. Yeah. And because they totally flip that, this is where they get their seven-year tribulation, and they totally lose the concept of confirming the covenant. Now, what does confirming the covenant mean? And there's going to be a seven-year period of confirming the covenant. And Jesus, from the time he was baptized until he died, 
those three and a half year period where he confirmed the covenant. And it says here that the apostles, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. Amen. When Jesus confirmed the word in his ministry, the people were raised from the dead. There were healings. Uh, there were mass conversions, all kinds of miracles. There's coming a second three-and-a-half-year period of confirming the covenant. This is going to happen when the Son of Man rises. This is the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. We need to be aware, yes we do, of the, the horrible judgments, and we need to be prepared in every aspect, but we don't want to lose sight of what God is going to do. His Son is going to be declared, and the covenant will be confirmed for another three-and-a-half years. I'll read from John Wesley. Uh, his notes on the Old Testament, and we'll see that Mr. Wesley is singing out of the same hymn book, so to speak. He said, And he shall confirm, Christ confirmed the new covenant by the testimony of angels, John the Baptist, of the wise men, of the saints then living, of Moses and Elias, by preaching, by signs and wonders, and by his holy life. By his death and bloodshedding, he caused the sacrifice to cease. All the Jewish rites and Levitical worship, by his death, he abrogated and put an end to the laborious service forever. All the Jewish sacrifices were put to an end, not God's Ten Commandments or any moral precept God said, but that sacrificial Levitical worship system was gone. And... There's just a lot we could say about that. But this is the clear meaning of the text, and this is what should excite us, that there's going to be a future three-and-a-half-year period where there's going to be a confirming of the covenant just like when Jesus was here on the earth. Now, let's read. Let's just don't read our Bibles. Let's read our Bibles. And we're going to have to say goodbye to our preachers' friends here because they can't shift the gear here to see the past and the future aspect. But let's read very carefully. And he said unto his disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And obviously Jesus was speaking to his disciples that he's going to go away, and they're going to long to see one of those days when he was there with them, but he's going to be gone. Verse 23, And they shall say to you, See here or see there, go not after them or follow them. Jesus didn't say, Get ready, there's going to be a secret rapture. He said, No, for as the lightning that lighteneth out of the one part under heaven shineth unto all the other part under heaven, so also, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. Now get this. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall. Future tense. You know, you got to say goodbye to the preterist here because we just shifted the gear to the future. Jesus, in verse 22, he said, you're going to long to see one of the days of the Son of Man. Now, and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also 
in the days of the Son of Man. We have two periods here from Christ's own teaching that are called the days of the Son of Man. Number one, when he was on earth, and a future period when there's going to be another three-and-a-half-year period that will fulfill the last half of the 70th week of Daniel, another period of three-and-a-half years of the days of the Son of Man, when the covenant is going to be confirmed. And as it was in the days of Noah, just file that away. We're going to be back to that in a moment. But he said, they did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. What are Bible teachers teaching people today? That there's going to be a seven-year period between the deliverance of the righteous and the judgment. Jesus said the same day. That lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone. Not a seven-year period, but the same day. And then, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man it's interesting is too. revealed. Sorry, David, I didn't mean to cut you off. I thought oh, you were no, done. You I, thought right you're done. I that, heard that pause. I was just thinking in this. I'm reading, and I, you know, I've, I've read this a million times, and when you, when you see it talks about they were married, they built, they sold, all these things. And, you know, we've been expecting this huge devastating thing to come and kind of wipe out society and the monetary system and all of these things when I, I what I see happening here from what you're describing here and also from just from my study I seen I see these space forces be built up I see these weapons of mass destruction being built up and I see that the whole world's coming together financially to prepare with trillions of dollars for some cosmic war that's getting ready to take place and and I think this really this is really interesting because this to me proves that they are going to go to war with Jesus. They're going to, people are going to think that they're going to war with ET, yeah. but they're going to war with the son of man in yeah. the sky. And this is amazing to me, but it's saying that all of these things are happening. People will be going on with their lives just like normal. And then all of a sudden, boom, like, yeah. like just out of the nowhere, boom. Amazing. Yeah. And just like our opening text, it talked about when the Son of Man comes up out of sea, the, the multitude's going to turn on him. You know, they're going to turn on him. Now, let's look at another prophetic time stamp here, and let's do some more synchronization. Uh, the way to get the chronological sequence of prophecy are by these time stamps, I call them, in Scripture. And the four winds blowing is a time stamp. And here we see it again in Revelation 7. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth holding the four winds of the earth now these four winds of the earth are four powerful angels and now we see four good angels holding back the four bad angels what happens when the four winds blow the two beasts rise and here we see four good angels holding back these four angels that are going to release the two beasts now that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor, out of, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. 
And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed a hundred and forty-four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. I could have called this Bible study tonight everything you want to know about prophecy that they didn't teach in Bible school or that they taught you exactly opposite in Bible school or church or whatever. But I'm going to share with you why. And the popular interpretation of this is that the um, 144,000 that they are the genetic Hebrews, that they're genetic Hebrews, and we're going to be showing you that that is indeed possible, but impossible, but let's look at Revelation 9, and we're going to see why it's a very, very important thing that you have the seal of God, and the four good angels that are holding back the four evil angels that are going to release the four winds that will bring these two beasts up, they are holding it back so that the Israel of God can be sealed for the 144,000, which is a symbolic number. Yes, it is. It's uh, in the book of Revelation where uh, there's 12 apostles of the Lamb, and there's the 12 tribes of Israel. 12 times 12 is 144. It's a symbolic number of the entire Israel of God. But let's read the text here. And there came out of the smoke locust upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing nor any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Now I want you to notice something here, that it says that power was given unto them for how long? Five months. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Let's read the text here, as it was in the days of Noah. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man, and in whose nostrils was the breath of life, all that was in the dry land died, and every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark, now get ready for it, and the waters prevailed upon the earth a hundred and fifty days. How many months is that? That's five months. When the beast, when the, when the restrainer is removed and these chimera devils come out 
of the abyss, and the restrainer is going to be removed at the same time. When the Son of Man rises and these beasts rise, the restrainer will be removed, and those that do not have the seal of God upon them are going to be in big trouble. But five months, the book of Revelation says, that the Israel of God will be sealed and protected from these demonic chimeras coming out of the abyss. Just like in the days of Noah, five months, Noah was preserved in the ark while everything else on the earth was dying. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Now we want to give you some scripture here. And the popular teaching is that the 144,000, that this is a literal number, and that they're literally ethnic Jews, and they're literally virgins. All right, good luck with that. But this is a biblical impossibility. When you no longer interpret Scripture according to Scripture, or according to preeminently the doctrine of Christ, you you're just off making it up whatever you want. But the New Testament clearly teaches, for he is not a Jew, which is one inwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision of that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. Now the word Jew there, you know, the first covenant in the, in the book of Hebrews, it says that there was an old covenant that was with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, and there's going to be a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Now, the word Jew, that's how you're a covenant person. Jew has nothing to do with ethnicity in the spiritual realm. It means if you're a believer in Christ, you're a covenant person. And you do not qualify to be a Jew just because you're a physical descendant of Abraham. You must have your faith in Christ. Clearly stated in Scripture, you're not a Jew if you're just one outwardly. Because Jew is the covenant people. It's always the Israel of God. Now, let's look at a text here, and, um, and I think you've got Romans there, John. I'm sorry. Oh, I think I do. And I'm going to, I'll turn here to Revelation, and I'm going to read a couple scriptures in the book of Revelation that really mitigate against interpreting the 144,000. If you let the book of Revelation, it'll explain itself. But in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and verse 9, it says here, Revelation 2 and 9, I know thy works, and this is unto the church at Smyrna. Just file that away. Make a little mental note of that. And I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews, but are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Under the church of Smyrna, it talks about the synagogue of Satan. They say they're Jews, but they're not. Why? Because they're not born again. To be a true Jew, you have to be more than just genetically qualified. You have to be spiritually qualified. Now, in Revelation 3 and 9, and this is under the church in Philadelphia. Just make a note there. We've got Sardis and Philadelphia. In Revelation 3 and 9, 
Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, to know that I have loved thee. It's a biblical impossibility to correctly interpret these 144,000 as ethnic Jews. We're looking at the sealing of the end-time remnant of God. We see them in the New Jerusalem that has the 12 gates and the 12 foundations with the names of the apostles and the patriarchs. 12 times 12 is 144,000. This is the Israel of God. Now, let's go to Revelation chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6, and we're going to let Scripture interpret Scripture, and we're going to see just exactly who the two witnesses are. You see, the 144,000, God's true end-time remnant, they're going to be able to call fire down from heaven. They're going to be doing uh, miraculous works, and the covenant is going to be confirmed through the 144,000 and also through these two witnesses. And we're going to see right from Scripture just what they are. Revelation 11, 1 through 6. And there was given me a reed likened to a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Arise and measure the temple of God, and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall be tread underfoot forty and two months. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, a little covenant-confirming power. And they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days. How long is 1,260 days? That is three and a half years on the 30-day month calendar. Thirty-three and a half years. This is the last part of the confirming of the covenant from Daniel 9.27, and it tells us what there are. We're going to let Scripture interpret Scripture. These are the two olive trees. Number one, they're the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must be in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power over the waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. This is confirming of the covenant, my friend. This is going to be the Son of Man rising, and in the midst of all opposition, he is going to take the Israel of God, and he is going to declare his Son to the ends of the earth. And in the midst of all hell literally breaking loose, there's going to be a great harvest of souls before the Lord returns and puts an end to it all. Now, let's see exactly what these are. Revelation 11 and 4 said they're the two olive trees. Well, this is fully explained in Scripture. Let's read in Zechariah chapter 4. And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick all of gold and a bowl upon the top of it, 
and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof, and two olive trees. Revelation 11 and 4, the two witnesses of the two olive trees. Here's the, here they are. By it, and upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. Now, it doesn't sound like verse 6 is explaining it, but we're going to see it is. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, to understand that, we have to realize that there was the candlestick in the tabernacle. Now, this visionary candlestick of Zechariah, it differs from it in a very significant way. The, the candlestick in the tabernacle, it did not have pipes coming from a bowl to the flame. Every day the priest had to go in and pour the oil in to keep the fire burning. But this did not operate by a priest pouring oil on there. It operated from these two olive trees pouring oil into these two gulas. There's two gulas and there's seven pipes down to the flame this is not in the tabernacle, but in this visionary candlestick, man has nothing to do with it, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. This candlestick, which represents the seven churches we're going to see in the book of Revelation, that this is the spout where the glory comes out. What we're talking about here, it doesn't function by man, but there's a supernatural anointing from the throne of God that directly feeds this flame. Amen. Now, in Revelation chapter, or excuse me, Zechariah 14, 12, and 13, And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches, which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he said, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Now, who do I believe they are? And this is not the purview of our, our teaching, but I believe this is Enoch and Melchizedek. And I've got a lot of reason to believe that, but that's not my purview. The thing is, there's two witnesses there, and they're keeping this thing going. And man has nothing to do with it. And when the Son of Man rises, there's going to be the confirming of the covenant, and we want to be a part of it, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. In Revelation chapter 1 and 20, Let's see what else that these two witnesses are. The mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Now, there are seven churches that the Lord wrote letters to in the book of Revelation. And the seven churches are the seven candlesticks, but the two witnesses are the two candlesticks. So how do we know which two churches they are? Well, in the letters to the seven churches, there are five churches that are sternly rebuked. And there are two churches that the Lord had nothing bad to say about. Just guess which two they were.
Smyrna, and Philadelphia, the two churches that had the victory over the synagogue of Satan. And clearly, so you see, what are the two witnesses? They are actually two people in the third heaven. I believe it's Melchizedek and Enoch. And beyond that, it's a group of people, the two churches, those of Smyrna. Smyrna was the church of the poor, and Philadelphia was the church of open revelation that understood what was going to happen. These are the two that had the victory over the synagogue of Satan. It is not coincidental that this is the way that Scripture so clearly lays this out. Now let's go back to 2nd Estrus, and let's read again in 2nd Estrus 13, and let's look at verse 19 and 20. Therefore are they come into great perils, and many necessities like as these dreams declare. Yet it is easier for him that is in danger to come into these things than to pass away as a cloud out of the world, and not to see the things that happen in the last days. And he answered unto me and said, Now what I love this. It is easier for him that is in danger to come into these things than to pass away as a cloud. How totally different than the modern philosophy. Today, over there or in the air, you know, they have rapture drills and they jump up and down to get ready to get out of here. But what a total reversal of the modern philosophy we see here. And also the entire doctrine of the pre-trib rapture it is an absolute deception of a fraud, and it's totally contrary to what Christ taught. And here's just one of many examples. In John 17, 15, Jesus said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. And all over the churches in America, they're praying for a pre-trib rapture, for the Lord to come and take them out. Now, I want to read from George Newton, and we got the wrong Newton up there, John. Oh, okay. Yeah, you got John Newton. This is well, George Newton. He's well, a good Newton, too. So I thought like, last week we were talking about yeah. John Newton, so yeah. I was like, oh, David had a misprint there. My apologies, David. Okay, yeah, this is actually George Newton. This is his book. He wrote a commentary on the 17th chapter of John. George Newton was a Puritan, and this is what he says. He says, doctrine, hyphen, removal out of this world is not the proper subject matter of petition, period. If you honor the words and the doctrine of Christ, you'll understand that it is improper to pray to be taken out of this world in some pie-in-the-sky fairy tale rapture. You are going against, and right now, Jesus that said this, he is our great high priest and intercessor at the right hand of the Father. And when you pray that, you're praying against Christ himself. You're trying to turn his own words against him and praying for something he said, just like our dear Puritan brother, removal out of this world is not the proper subject matter of petition. Brother Newton goes on to say, My brethren, it is so... That removal out of this world is not the subject matter of petition, then let not any of us make it so 
when we are putting up our supplications and requests to God. Consider, in the worst of times and in the midst of greatest troubles, you may be serviceable to the church of Christ, perhaps more serviceable than in better times, because the church may need you more. Now, how about that? Instead of having this phony attitude of, oh boy, I can't wait to get out of here before it gets tough, how about praying like Christ prayed and getting in union with our great high priest and with the Puritan mindset that, yeah, I might really be needed. You know, when, when this really comes down and it's going to and the four winds are going to blow, there's going to be some people that are going to be greatly blessed by hearing the truth and being around some people that had the foresight to see this coming and to be able to prepare themselves. Since you are talking about this, uh, there's been somebody in the chat that basically the whole time have been saying Harpazo, Harpazo, why won't we talk about Harpazo? And I, I remember hearing about that all the time, and I remember there would be, this is going to make you chuckle a little bit, but in, in the Bible college I went to, there would be people that had shirts that would say Harpazo on them. And it's interesting because, like, you know, that word, it's in the, and I'm just going to say it here, G726, it's used a lot uh, in, the, in the Bible, not just for the verse that they're speaking of, but it, it's talking about being taken by force, snatched away, seized upon, carried off by force. There's a lot of different uh, uses for it in Matthew, John, Acts, Second Corinthians, First Thessalonians. Uh, that this, this is the verse, First Thessalonians four seventeen. David, maybe you can just comment on this because I will. This is one of the this is one of the scriptures that every rapture person hangs on to dearly, and I remember that expressly. It says. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together, which caught up their harpazo yes, sir. with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And not to get on the rabbit trail, but I know that that this is in every rapture uh, person's head right now. And not to speak ill against you guys, I, be, I love that you believe in the Messiah and you're waiting for his return mm -hmm. and all of that. There's nothing I want to say negatively about you or anything like that, but... You know, we are trying to rightly divide Scripture. When's the last time you've been to a church where more than two or three Scriptures were mentioned in a sermon trying to prove a point? It doesn't happen very often. In fact, I can say that I've never been to a church that has done that. Now, I have been to some churches that will sit and talk for 20 hours and scream and holler and kick around and do all that, but this is a little different between rightly dividing. So that's what we're trying to do. We're not perfect, but we're trying. So here you go, David. Yeah. Now, it's it's really, there's going to be a harpazo there's going to be a catching up, but there's not going to be a catching up before the tribulation. Let's just read. And in verse 15 of 1 Thessalonians 4, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. Perusia, the parousia. This is the word used for the Lord's return in 1 Corinthians 15 and Matthew 24 the parousia. Now, there's going to be a catching up when Christ comes back to this earth to resurrect the dead and judge the wicked and set up the new heavens and the new earth. But to say harpazo, harpazo, the harpazo's at the parousia. The harpazo is not seven years before the parousia. So that is just, a, it's just unfortunate. And you see, until people realize that Jesus Christ really is Lord, 
and that his word really is true. When Jesus says one thing, you're not going to argue, well, I, I think it might be something else. You know, Jesus said black, but I think it might be white because my preacher says so. No, the doctrine of Christ is real and it's authoritative. And when you go against Jesus, you're kicking against a wall you're not going to want to kick against. You know, it doesn't matter this, that, who said what. You better line up with Jesus. And this pre-trib rapture, I could go for two hours on all the doctrines of Christ where you directly contradict Jesus. It's antichrist. It's deception. And, you know, I can't put lipstick on this pig. You and know, we, it's, we have, it's deception. It's going to take many, many people to their death and straight to hell really well. And we have talked about it for hours before. It's one of those things that you do have to discuss and look at. But, you know, as you said, David, this is this is really important. This is something that we've I feel like we've really hit on as hard as we can and, and we couldn't hit on it more enough. But you have to read the Bible for yourself. You're going to have to realize that some of the things that we've been taught have been taught by infiltrators. And this happened a long time ago. And we've clearly lined out when that happened, how it's happened what the doctrine is, where it's at. Um, I can tell you this, you will find it in almost every modern church, this this infiltration doctrine that has taken place. Jesus says he's coming back once. He doesn't say I'm coming back and then I'm going to come back again. He's coming back one time. And when he comes back, if we make it through that, just like First Thessalonians says, then we will be caught up with him in the clouds and reunited with him as the temple, you know, the, the Bible calls it the Shamayim of gold, this temple that comes down uh, and reigns on the earth. I mean, this is what we're talking about here. So it is important, I think, and because there are going to be people that are going to be like, man, what happened? Like, I didn't get raptured up. Like, here's this guy appearing in the clouds. It's got to be the Antichrist. It can't be, can't be Jesus because I didn't get raptured yet. I didn't, you know, my favorite people on TV didn't get raptured yet. They're still preaching on TBN. What's going on here? You know, that's that's the that's the danger. You know, if if you're right, praise God, I'd love to be raptured. I would love it in a heartbeat. And if God wants to say, hey, I want to rapture you out of here, I'm not against it. But you also got to you know, think, are you, are you wrong about this? And if you are wrong, what are the implications? And that's what you always got to do with any subject. I feel like, you know, you have to look at the implications and always be open-minded to be uh, to see if you're wrong or not. I've and I've had to eat crow many times in my life, uh, publicly in front of a lot of people, you know. And sometimes it's it's an important thing to do. We just got to look at things and really see what the truth of the matter is. If we really care about truth, that is, and we're not just wanting to fit in with some foundation that somebody else has built. Sorry, David. I just wanted to wanted to say that while you get caught up over there on your on your. Hey, no problem. At. No problem. Um. And, uh, okay, let's go on to the next one here, John. Okay, sorry. All right. You don't want to see John Newton's face anymore, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but And I'm going to read something from the Shepherd of Hermas, and this is a first-century document that is classified under the writings of the Apostolic Fathers. Now, I want to read the contrast between the early church of the martyrs and their mindset and that of the modern rapture mentality. And in the Shepherd of Hermas, this is, uh, this is what it says. And I, this is really pretty amazing. And it's a vision. And it says here, did nothing meet you? I said to her, lady, a beast so huge that it could destroy entire peoples. But by the power of the Lord and by his great mercy, 
I escaped it. You deserve to escape it, she said, because you cast your cares on God and opened your heart to the Lord, believing that you could not be saved by anything except by the great and glorious name. Therefore the Lord sent his angel who has authority over the beast, whose name is Thergai, and he shut its mouth so that it might not hurt you. You have escaped a great tribulation because of your faith and because you were not double-minded even though you saw such a huge beast. The great tribulation was escaped not by some fairy tale Disneyland ride, but by facing it. Just like it said in the book of Second Estrus, you're much better hitting the danger fade straight on than going away in a cloud. And this has been totally turned inside by this um, this teaching, and it came right from the Jesuits. I, I could do, and I have before, you can document the origin of this with Emmanuel Lacunza in the first part of the 19th century, Jesuit. But going on, it says, Go therefore and declare to the Lord's elect his mighty works, and tell them that this beast is a foreshadowing of the great tribulation that is coming. So if you prepare yourselves in advance, and turn to the Lord with all your heart, you will be able to escape it. What a great verse. So if you prepare yourselves in advance and turn to the Lord with all your heart, you will be able to escape it. Amen. This is the attitude of the Word of God. It's the attitude of the, the, the early church of the martyrs. Now, let's go back to 2nd Esther 13, verse 25 and 26. This is the meaning of the vision. Whereas thou sawest a man coming up from the midst of the sea, the same as he whom God the highest hath kept a great season, which by his own self shall deliver his creature, and he shall order them that are left behind. Now there's a popular prophetic word, isn't it? Left behind. And this for the left behind series has been made to mean the people left behind after the rapture. But in second estrus, it's talking about the people that are left behind and survive the judgments of God. And the people that prepare themselves, and like it says in the book Isaiah, come my people and enter into my chambers for a little while. Those that are left behind, the Son of Man is going to order them. The Son of Man is going to arise, and the Son of Man is going to be declared, and the gospel will be preached unto all the nations. And in Luke 17, let's think a little bit, you know, and this is popularly taught that when one is taken and one left, well, this is the rapture. It's impossible. Let's look at what Jesus said, and here's another one of the many places. You know, Jesus said the tares are coming out before the wheat. Oh, oh no, it, it's wheat before the tares. You know, when you go against Jesus, you're going to be wrong. I pray not that uh, I take them out of the world. Oh, no, we're going to pray for the rapture. It's antichrist to take something Jesus taught and put something in place of it. I cannot put lipstick on the, on the pig. I dig in my heels and I'll fight and die on this hill. People need to obey Jesus Christ, not these jackleg people that are turning his words inside out. Jesus' word matters. I tell you in that night, 
There shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Doesn't sound like the rapture, does it? Sounds They're like taken out thing. to be a meal for the vultures. Now, how in the doggone diddly doodah can you take that and put the Mr. Scripture twister wrench and, oh, it's the rapture. Read your Bible. Read what Jesus said. I implore you. Lives and souls are at stake. Jesus matters. Jesus matters. What he said matters, and it's authoritative. Jesus doesn't need a poll for 50% of the people to believe what he said to make it true. He is truth. Look what he said in Matthew 24, 27. For as the lightning cometh forth out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so also shall the cunning of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. The people taken out. I tell you what, it's not to some pie-in-the-sky rapture, but you're going to be in that great supper it talks about in Revelation 11, Ezekiel 38 and 39. There's two suppers. There's the marriage supper of the Lamb, and there's the great feast of the vultures on the carcasses of those that reject and fight against Christ. Second Asterisk 13. But those that be left behind. Here's the left behind again, folks. And here we're talking about a very specific group of people that are left behind. But those that be left behind of thy people are they that are found within my borders. Now when he destroyeth the multitude of the nations that are gathered together, he shall defend his people that remain. Oh yeah, he's going to order those that remain. He is going to defend those that remain. And then he shall show them great wonders. Great wonders when he confirms the covenant with them that remain after these judgments. He's going to order them. He's going to do great wonders with them. And in Zechariah 13, we see this right in the Scripture. Those that are in the borders of Israel, there is going to be a conversion of people in the land of Israel in the last days. In Zechariah 13, 8 and 9, And it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them and I will say, it is my people. And they shall say, the Lord is my God. There's going to be a third come through the fire. That's going to be a lot of folks. That's going to be a lot of folks that are going to be saved during this time of the Son of Man rising. Just there in the land of Israel, there's going to be a great harvest. Now, let's go back to 2 Esther 13, and let's start here in verse 6. But I beheld, and lo, he had graved himself a great mountain and flew up upon it. But I would have seen the region or place whereof, whereout the hill was graven, and I could not. And after this I beheld, and lo, all they which were gathered together to subdue him, 
were sore afraid and yet durst fight. And lo, as he saw the violence of the multitude that came, he neither lifted up his hand nor held sword nor any instrument of war, but only I saw that he sent out of his mouth as it had been a blast of fire and out of his lips a flaming breath, and out of his tongue he cast out sparks and tempest. And they were all mixed together, the blast of fire, the flaming breath, and the great tempest, and fell with violence upon the multitude, which was prepared to fight, and burned them up every one, so that upon a sudden and an innumerable multitude nothing was to be perceived, but only dust and smell of smoke when I saw this I was afraid and people need to be afraid they need to be very very afraid you're either with Jesus or you're against him and we see this also right here in scripture in Revelation 19 all it just all of these descriptions in second estrus of the war of the people against the son of man rising it's right in the scripture and I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. They're literally going to try to shoot Jesus with bullets. You know, I mean, there's dumb and there's dumber, but I tell you what, this is about as dumb as it gets. In Zechariah chapter 14, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and the spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. Every detail that we find in the text in Second Estrus, we see outlined very specifically in Scripture. And the, the way that Zechariah describes it, is just like the, the book of Second Estrus does. It says, and this sounds like something we see in a science fiction film, and this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet, and their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. They're going to be frosted. You know, they're, they're going to, it's going to be, Mega meltdown, mega, mega meltdown. Now, it and we just read this verse just a little bit ago in response to that comment in the chat. But here again, we see the Bible talks about in Second Estrus ordering them that remain. And that word in Second Estrus and in Scripture is those that remain after the judgment. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming parousia of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, 
and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be harpazoed, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. There will be a harpazo at the parousia. There absolutely will. Awesome, David. I think that is comforting to know and to know that some of us, and I hope that I'm included and you're included, if we're alive when all this happens, that some of us will make it through and be able to see all these things that come upon the earth. I remember being a youngster, David, and them talking about the rapture, and then they would talk about all these beasts showing up on the earth and stuff like that. And I remember thinking, like, I want to see all these things. Why do I? Why can't I see these things that are happening? Because who doesn't want to see dragons and, and stuff like that going on in the earth? And yeah, and to be able to make it through something like that and to see it all take place, I think would be a blessing. I think that would be amazing. And I understand the the idea of wanting. Uh, there to be a rapture and that's a good way to escape the problems that are really happening in this world and to think that they really don't affect you you're not you don't have to worry about this policy or that policy because ultimately you are going to be just raptured up out of here and that's not how i believe that we should be thinking i believe that we should be praying for god's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven i i, I and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven his kingdom to come and his will to be done and his will does not include pedophiles running the world it does that's not what his will includes but yet the mentality that so many of the people in the modern church and the reason i had to leave it one of the main reasons was because of the complete tolerance of this wickedness that abounds and and not only just in the modern um, church that most of us have come from but also the catholic church um, protects these people and to see the people of God. And this is one thing I remember when I was younger that turned me off to see the people of God. Oh, it's all right. We're all going to be, you know, everything we're going to be raptured up out of here. God's going to, you know, do this. And while turning a blind eye to the things that are going on and turning a blind eye to the policy policies that are going to so affect us and things that have affected us, but people didn't care about them because they thought this can't be bad. This can't be the device of the devil because we're supposed to be raptured before this device and of course i can't go into detail about what i'm talking about here but you some of you guys get the picture and that and i think that David, bringing this out is really important and, and the fact that you're able to cover the rising of the son of man out of the sea and the rapture in such a short amount of time and eloquently with over 39 scriptures over 30 scriptures uh very impressive thank you so much for doing that david i, I appreciate it and of course I'm a student, uh, always be a student. I don't ever want to proclaim anything greater than that for myself because I, I know where I came from. I know I know that I'm human. But to be able to uh, be a part of this and, and to be able to see the scriptures come to life every week uh, is a blessing, David. Thank you so much. And for all you guys Thank listening you. too, you know, make sure you guys subscribe. David, you got anything else to say? Well, I might end up with one more prophetic scripture here from Jesus. In Mark chapter 8, verse 38, he said, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. 
it's time to turn to Jesus and line your doctrine up with his words. Yeah. And don't be ashamed. And that's me. I won't be ashamed. I'll go with Jesus. Uh, say what you will about me. I'm going with him. And I don't preach him. Uh, I don't preach Jesus and the doctrine he taught as another option on the religious smorgasbord. There is truth. He is a person. And it's time to turn to him. Yeah. Amen to that. So, guys, we're going to hit the hit pound the like button together on the count of three. And I uh, hope you guys do it with us. I'm gonna even gonna hit the like button on my own video. If that's if that if that's not <laughs> cheesy, then I don't know what is. So you guys ready? You ready to count us down? Here we go, David. You ready? One, One two, two, three. three. Boom. All kinds of likes. I heard it all over the place. All right. So thank you guys so much. Please subscribe if you enjoy this content. We do this every single week. Um, we're we're so thankful for all of you and and just humble to be able to do this. And as we always say, read your Bibles for yourself. Don't trust anybody in the matter. We're supposed to come to to God in spirit and truth, and that's what we're here to do. And, the, and like David said, the teachings, what Jesus said is the key to understanding everything that we read in the Scripture. And if you can't even go along with those few red letters that are so powerful, then it's going to be a hard time for you to understand the rest of the Scripture. So please take that to heart. Understand what the doctrine of Jesus is, what he says. That's so important. And if I could, if, if this is the last thing I ever say, and I hope it's not, but I'm just saying if it is, Read your scriptures, seek a relationship with God above all else. The world's here designed to keep you from that. It's designed to distract you. It's just designed to cause fear into your heart, and it's designed to keep you busy. And I believe that's why God gave us you know, a Sabbath. That's why he gave us the ability to, to come together and also iron sharpening iron in these things. So thank you guys so much. David, end us out. Well, as always, it's with great thankfulness to our Lord and to all of you that support the Midnight Ride. We couldn't do what we do without you. We do humbly thank for you from the bottom of our heart. So until next Saturday night, 10 p.m. Central, high five and good night, everybody, from the Midnight Ride. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up, rise up, rise up. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.